I thought writing a book and doing a TED Talk was enough, and I, I was wrong. I think that's, that's, it's far from enough. That's Angela Duckworth, best known for her theory of grit and her research about what makes some people push through when they hit tough obstacles. You might have heard some education leader cite her research, or maybe you've seen her TED Talk, but she's facing questions about how exactly teachers should apply her findings about grit So these days, she's actually working on developing resources for instructors that try to answer just that question. Welcome to a bonus episode of the EdSurge On Air podcast. I'm Jeff Young, and I sat down with Duckworth this week to talk about her efforts to reverse engineer successful people's habits. She's done the book and the TED Talk. Now she's looking to do more to turn her research into action. Here's the conversation. We're here with Angela Duckworth, author of Grit, and of course, um, a researcher and professor at University of Pennsylvania. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Can I add something to my title? Please. I am the founder and CEO of a nonprofit called Character Lab. So you um, uh, just gave a, a, a talk here at the ASU GSV um, Summit on Innovation about Grit, and this is a well-known theory to all of our audience so I guess I'm curious, because it is so well-known, I, I, you know, it is just kind of getting used in this and that and the other and all kinds of, um, of, of reform efforts or change efforts. But what do you think people most misunderstand about the, about the idea? Because I think when it gets that big, there's always that, that risk. Sometimes I think people believe that I or others see grit as the only thing kids need to be successful and happy. And in fact, I think... Character is a very long list of things that kids need to be happy and productive. And it's not just grit. It's also curiosity. It's not just curiosity. It's also gratitude and kindness. And it's not just that. It's emotional and uh, social intelligence. And it's not just that. It's open-mindedness. And it's not just that. It's honesty. And it's not just that. It's humility. I think when we are talking about you know what kids need to grow up to uh, you know, live lives that are happy and healthy and good for other people. It's it's a long list of things, and grit's on that list, but it is not the only thing on the list. And I'll tell you, as a mother, uh, but also as a scientist and as a former teacher, that it's not the first thing on the list either. Hmm. How much do you think um, there? There's this right now. I feel like a lot of kind of efforts that were kind of people took grit to heart and even applied it or tried to apply it in school settings. But there feels like some of the schools that even are trying to sort of this heart, you know, tough love, like discipline kind of things, some of those are actually, there's a little bit of a backlash against some of those very reforms that went on in schools kind of based around your idea. Do you worry that in a way that things may have happened in the name of grit um, and your research that you didn't intend um, and and do, you, do you have any sort of concern about that? I probably don't know enough about the misapplication of um, the idea of grit. Uh, I think um, uh, the, the more I know, the, the more I you know, worry. Um, uh, this may be true of any idea, by the way, in education and in any other sector, that something has value and then it becomes like a Rorschach blot and people just project onto it, you know, whatever they want to see in that ink blot. And I think grit in some ways um, has become that, right? So, you know, the thing that you already believed anyway before you heard about grit and Angela Duckworth, you're going to just like use grit to uh, justify and to promote. Um, but I would like to say something about what I would like to see. And, um, and that is that, 
you know, I do think kids need to learn to um, to work hard. I don't think people were born knowing how to work hard. I don't think it's automatic that we know how to, you know, work on our weaknesses with a certain discipline and to, you know, accept feedback on what we could do better. I think those are hard things to learn. And I think schools should be a place where kids develop that. So I have no problem with schools taking it as a responsibility to develop the capacity for perseverance and also passion, you know, loving something enough to stay committed to it. Um, but the question is, what does that exactly look like? And I don't think it's like exhortations of like, you should be gritty or we'll shame you if you're not gritty. Um, I think it's actually always from understanding. And the first thing um, uh, I'd like to say about you know unpacking grit and understanding is that um, you know it is it is like a, a natural human instinct to shy away from mistake making, from confusion, from challenge, and um, is therefore the responsibility of the classroom teacher, the school, and the community to um, uh, make sure that kids understand that that when they don't want to do something that's hard, when they don't want to do uh, you know something that will maybe um, not work out, um, and then when they do want to quit things, that, that the first and most important thing is to start from understanding that and accepting that that is part of the struggle, as opposed to this kind of ham-fisted, like, well, you should just be gritty. Like, well, you know, it's, you know, around here we know we have no excuses for not doing well. I think growth always starts with understanding. Yeah, I, I thought it was so interesting um, if, I hope you don't mind me sharing, but you had mentioned um, that there's a, a person who wrote an article critiquing your grit narrative and that you actually are now involved with helping to shape their, or to, to be mm -hmm. advising their dissertation. Is that right? Yeah, so um, there was a student, I say was, because in India just got his... Um, PhD and mm -hmm. passed his defense, and I um, was uh, introduced. He introduced himself, actually, um, having written a critical essay about the the narrative of grit. And his major point was that um, you know when we talk about grit as a kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, personal strength, it um, kind of leaves in the shadows like structural poverty and racism and other things that um, make it impossible, frankly, for some kids to, um, you know, do what we would expect them to do. And when he sent me that essay, uh, you know, of course, I um, wanted to know more. And I joined his committee because I don't know much about sociology and I don't know much about this criticism. And I learned a lot from him over the years. And um, and I think the, the lesson for me is that... Um, you know, when someone criticizes you, when someone criticizes me, um, the natural thing is to be defensive and to reflexively, you know, kind of like make more clear your case and why you're right. Um, but I've always learned more from just listening and, you know, when I have the courage to just say like, oh, well, maybe there's a point here that I hadn't thought of. And in this case, the grit narrative and what grit has become is something that, um, you know, he really brought to me and my awareness in a way that, like, I, I was oblivious to before. And I guess um, one of the things I think people are, at this point, kind of hungry for is kind of, what do you do with this idea, right? Um, and it sounds like this is something that you're very much looking into as well. But do you have anything you could tell a teacher, whether it's a college or a K-12 teacher, to actually take action to help a kid in their classroom? So just this week, we have on my website, I have a nonprofit called characterlab.org. 
just this week we have released a playbook on practice and it is the science of how true experts practice and it talks about you know what it looks like when you're a student because you know you're not yet or maybe you'll never be an Olympic athlete so you know how do you translate this into being an eighth grader and you know doing your homework you know we tried in that playbook to um, work with both scientists and teachers side by side for months to craft what we think are useful activities like here try this classroom activity watch this 60 second video by the way narrated by Wynton Marsalis who learned hmm. a lot about practice himself the hard hmm. way um, I'm trying to um, do more of that work because I have realized that um, popularizing an idea and even drawing attention to something that uh, has some truth to it is it's really not enough. I really don't think it's fair for me to um, or anyone else to expect teachers to implement ideas from watching you know a TED talk and reading a book. I think we need to go you know much farther than that in supporting things that we want to see happen, you have to make it a lot. I thought writing a book and doing a TED Talk was enough, and I, I was wrong. I think that's, that's, it's far from enough, and Character Lab is one step in that direction. Um, it's funny, because I think that you had mentioned that you know some academics actually kind of don't praise the TED Talk. I think a lot of people, uh, maybe at this conference, would love to give a TED Talk. <laughs> but there's a, there's a kind of a, sometimes a, a backlash in higher ed to people getting up on stage and shouting their ideas. Um, in a way, is that, is that part of what you're finding as you've done it? I think the, um, the, the, the goal that I have, one of the goals I have in my life is to not get cranky. Um, and I, I, I literally say out loud to myself, like, don't get cranky. Um, because one could get cranky about, for example, someone getting up on a TED stage and saying something in 18 minutes and not getting all the nuance and not getting all the detail. And I think that is one of the complaints of academics, that in 18 minutes, you know, you, 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 you're not able to um, give people all the footnotes. Um, and I think there is some, you know, concern there for myself too, and I had some hesitation about writing a book, even or hmm. which is much longer than a TED talk, um, or frankly, like saying anything because you know whatever you say is going to be incomplete and potentially misleading. Um, but I don't want to get cranky because look, I think there is a role for like, you know, journalists, uh, for writers, for podcasts, for you know, we are all just trying, aren't we? Like we're all just trying to actually move the ball forward, and and I think it's not a great thing when people get cranky about you know the way somebody else is trying to move the ball forward I mean unless there's really a, you know a motive which is questionable which I don't think there is when I read things and like it slightly mischaracterizes my work or you know I would love to you know be right there with my rebuttal um, I, I, I try to not be cranky about it because the person who wrote that blog post or you know had that complaint or they are also trying to move the ball forward what would you do differently? You've been a classroom teacher. Um, what would you do differently if you had to go back now that you know what you know from your research? One thing I would do differently is um, provide a, 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 like a, a ritual and a, um, an opportunity, but like a ritual in my, in my classroom where instead of just you know, pushing forward in the curriculum, right? Like, well, we did, you know, two equations and two unknowns, and I was a math teacher. Like, <laughs> now we're gonna do three, and like, you know, who cares that you got a C plus on the last thing? Like, we're just gonna move forward. I would actually make it much more um, mastery oriented, and I would make it possible for kids to like catch up and to really work on the things that they, 
you know, didn't quite get. One of the teachers that I most admire is this guy named Anthony Yam. His students just call him Yam for short, and he teaches in um, L.A. Unified School District in East L.A. And um, he has this binder of, you know, the kids... Um, you know, it tests and like there is an opportunity. It's it, they don't have to ask. It's not like you have to ask for like whether you can like you know retake the test and like you know correct your mistakes and you know learn from them and get some credit for it. It's actually just set up in the classroom routine that every time he gives a quiz or a test, you know, there's an opportunity to you know uh, get your test out of the binder and then you know rework the problems that you got wrong and try to figure out what you didn't do right and you know what the insight was and then move forward. I would I would take a page out of Mr. And that is simply just because it's modeling that idea of, of, of it's not just this, that, that the people can go back and practice. It's modeling it. It's giving an opportunity for it. And frankly, to use economics, economics language, like incentivizing it, right? I mean, you could say to kids like, well, they could go home on their own and they could, you know, take out their test out of their backpack and like struggle through the prompt. But, but you know, making it the thing that you're supposed to do or the, you know, creating the opportunity and incentivizing it because like you can get some points back on your on your test. I think, I think we have to go um, a little farther than kind of like just modeling modeling it and also providing structured opportunities and rituals and you know norms in the classroom that say like continuous improvement learning and really learning and not superficially just sort of plowing forward I, I could have done a much better job as a math teacher well I'm afraid we're out of time but thank you so much for taking time to talk with us today I really appreciate it thank you I've enjoyed this thank you this has been an Ed Surge on air extra we'll be back next week with another episode at the regular time if you don't already please subscribe on whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. This episode was edited and produced by me, Jeff Young. Thanks for listening.